Welcome again to our podcast. Uh, wow. I am in the most fabulous place. And let me give you a disclaimer. You may hear some singing. You're going to hear a lot of talking because I'm in a theater. I mean, one of those old Roman theaters. Uh, This particular theater holds 24,000 people. There's not quite 24,000 here today, uh, but uh, the 24,000, we may see them come through as tourists because we're in the city of Ephesus, which was the capital city of the Roman Empire in Asia, uh, Asia Minor, which many of you may not know exactly what Asia Minor is. Asia Minor is Turkey today. It's the modern country of Turkey. Uh, And whenever you see Asia Minor written somewhere, now you'll know what it is, all right? It was all that region uh, uh, below the, the the Black Sea, above the Mediterranean Sea, all the way over to uh, uh, Mount Ararat, and uh, you know where Syria and Iraq is now, uh, eastward to the Aegean Sea. Uh, it's just amazing, huh? Uh, it it's an amazing place. You need to come go with us. And if you ever want to go with us, uh, don't forget you can find out about our travel, our tours, and our biblical tours, and our work tours, and everything at cotr.com. Well, today we're going to be talking about something that happened in this very theater uh, and around this theater uh, in the Agora, which was the public marketplace and the place where people bought and sold goods and and went and gathered. Uh, And uh, we are here in Ephesus today on a tour with, uh, with a group, and some of them are going to read. We'll be reading from Acts chapter 19 verses 21 through the end of that chapter, verse 41. And so it's a lot of reading. Don't get bored, okay? Uh, and uh, follow along with us if you like. Acts chapter 19, 21 through 41. And then as well, uh, I will pick up and make some commentary after that. All right, there'll be a few folks reading. So uh, again, a disclaimer, uh, we're having to kind of move this uh, this recording apparatus around. You know, you don't need any more Jesus to minister to a million people as you do to one person. You just need a little more equipment, okay? And and today we have the benefit of being in this uh, theater, which uh, the people who are down on the stage, even though we're way, way, way away, you're gonna be able to hear them very clearly. That's the reason of the theater. They didn't have microphones back then. They used this for public address of 24,000 people could hear it without a microphone. Isn't that amazing? Wow, okay, are you ready? Let's begin. We're picking up here as the Apostle Paul has been in the city of Ephesus now for about two and a half years, give or take a few months, okay? And he has been teaching in the school of Tyrannus. He's been teaching young men who had been coming here, many of them coming here uh, for for trade's sake, it was a, it was a, you know a capital city, multi-ethnic city, uh, multicultural. Uh, many of them coming for military training. Many of them coming to learn uh, uh, from the medical arts, or from even coming to learn the pagan arts of of of, of uh, casting out evil spirits. You know, there there was all kinds of uh, schooling going on here. But what better place for God to set up camp? Okay, then right here. And also from Ephesus, roads went into every part of Asia Minor. So not only were they taught and trained here by the Apostle Paul, and many of them sent out uh, by the Roman government as soldiers different places or by their own business as tradesmen different places along the roads that had been built for this very purpose, even though the Romans thought they built them for other purposes, and were able to reach all of Asia, the Bible says, from right here in this place with the gospel of Jesus Christ. What an amazing thing. God put things together for years and years and years, centuries, to make all of this happen. So here we are at the culmination of Paul having been here for approximately two and a half years teaching 
And while he's teaching, people are getting born again. Perhaps, perhaps some scholars say 65,000 people of the 250 to 300,000 people who live in this city, 65,000 of them were a part of the church here, a huge church, the largest church in Christendom at that time during the first century. And, and for even uh, today, that is by any respect, is a huge, huge church. And uh, uh, you can imagine as they were uh, converting to Christianity. They were converting from other religions and from other religious practices, and uh, many of them from worshiping pagan gods, one of which was the goddess of Diana, we'll hear today, who is the goddess uh, Artemis, who was the patron goddess of this particular city and had been for 700 plus years. And as they were uh, changing from idol worship to worshiping God and his son, Jesus Christ, Jehovah God, and Jesus of Nazareth as his son and Messiah, as they were being converted to Christianity, they were not only burning their idol worship tools, but they were also not buying anymore. And this was causing a problem with those people who manufactured and sold idols. And they happened to have had a guild Okay, a silversmith guild here, <laughs> as it were. And, uh, but, but as every Roman city was, this was a very organized city and a very um, um, peaceful city. They, uh, they, the, the Romans kept the peace, okay? Uh, and you got in trouble if you broke the peace. Okay. You could get in some big trouble. So with these things in mind, let's begin to read and listen now. Brenda, would you begin reading in verse 21 and read uh, two or three or four verses? And then uh, if you all will watch, uh, we'll just pick up uh, wherever with the next one. Okay. All right. You ready? Acts 19, uh, beginning in verse 21. When these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Acacia to go to Jeru Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Ro Rome. So he went into Macedonia. Two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for a time. And about that time there arose a great commotion about the way for a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith who had made silver shrines of Diana, brought no small profit to the craftsmen. He called them together with the workers of a similar occupation and said, Men, you know that we have our prosperity by this trade. Moreover, you see and hear not only at Ephesus, but throughout almost all Asia, that, that Paul has persuaded and turned away many people, saying that they are not gods which are made with hands. So not only is this trade of ours in danger of failing and to disrepute, dis but also the temple of the great goddess Diana may be despised and her magnificence destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worship. Now when they heard this, they were full of wrath and cried out, saying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. So the whole city was filled with confusion and rushed into the theater with one accord, having seized Gaius and... Aristus, Macedonians, Paul's travels companions. And when Paul wanted to go into the people, the disciples would not allow him. <clears throat> then some of the officials of Asia, who were his friends, sent to him pleading that he would not venture into the theater. Some therefore cried one thing, and some cried another. For the assembly was confused, 
and most of them did not know why they had come together. The Jews pushed Alexander to the front, and some of the crowd shouted instructions to him. He motioned for silence in order to make a defense before the people. But when they realized he was a Jew, they shouted all the more in union for about two hours. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. The city clerk quieted the crowd and said, Men of Ephesus, doesn't all the world know that the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and of her image, which fell from heaven? Verse number 36. Therefore, since these facts are undeniable, you ought to be quiet and not do anything rash. You have brought these men here, though they have neither robbed temples nor blasphemed our gods. If then Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a grievance against anybody, the courts are open and there are proconsuls. They can press charges if there is anything further you want to bring up. It must be settled in a legal assembly. As it is, we are in danger of being charged with writing because of today's events. In that case, we would not be able to account for this commotion since there is no reason for it. After he had said this, he dismissed the assembly. All right, what an interesting story that happened right here. Isn't this amazing? You're, you're, uh, you're, uh, 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 those of you that are with me, you're sitting in this particular theater. And those of you that are listening, let me, let me just describe it. It is, uh, it's semicircle, okay? It's about a half circle around, uh, so that the person who's speaking would be speaking to about a 180 degree, 165, 180 degree field of speaking, which is uh, great for a theater. Different than an amphitheater. An amphitheater goes all the way around. It makes a full circle. So this is a theater, and in this particular style, you can imagine how many people uh, could, you know, and how large it is to fit 24,000 people here. Well, the Bible says that uh, this this man who really uh, was having problems because no one was selling any of these little idols, he decided he would call everybody together. So he got them all together. He caused a great stir for the space of two hours here in this in this theater. They cried, great is the goddess Diana of the Ephesians. Great is Diana. Great is Artemis. Diana and Artemis are the same goddess. Uh, 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 just causing all kinds of commotion. In fact, the Bible says that some people were confused. They didn't even know why they were here. Isn't that, that, doesn't that sound like a mob? They don't even know what they're crying for, but we're crying. Hey, if everybody else is crying, we're crying. If everybody's riding, we're riding. If everybody's stealing, we're stealing. You know, uh, with, without any knowledge of even what happened. It's not that they are personally incensed. It's that they just wanted to be a part of the crowd. And all of my friends are doing this. I'm going to do it. It's the way the world happens at many times. I find it interesting whenever we first began to read that the apostle Paul felt as though that his time was up here. But yet the Bible says, even though there arose in his heart a desire to depart from here, uh, nonetheless, he stayed here and he sent uh, two of his fellow companions farther. Uh, interesting. You know, whenever we feel like the season is up, when we feel like the grace is off, whenever we feel like it's time to leave somewhere or stop doing something, you know, that's a good leadership of the Lord because, you know, the apostle Paul could have left here a hero. Instead, he leaves here a zero. 
in the eyes of the people. And sometimes when we overstay our welcome, we could have left a hero. We could have left when everything was good. And that's when the, the Spirit of God wanted him to leave. But it ends up the Apostle Paul never came back to Ephesus ever again having ha after having left here. That's at least what we understand the best. The closest he came was Miletus, which is about 30 miles south of here, and called the elders down from the city down to there to meet him. Uh, you know, uh, uh, he was in a hurry, but also, you know, it could be that he wasn't very welcome here. <laughs> uh, who knows? Except by the by the Christian group, but he never uh, got to return back, and he told the elders uh, in, in in that passage that you will never see my face again. Uh, what a and, and they were all you know, very very sad about it. But uh, it's it's important that we know the seasons of our life and when to begin something and when to end something. There's different tests in life. There's a test of of, of, of beginning, a test of endings. There's a test of waiting. We need to learn those tests and know how to pass each one of them. But as we get to the point where where uh, the Apostle Paul uh, wants to go into the theater, but his friends won't let him. Why? Because he could have been torn to pieces by the crowd. So the, uh, we, uh, our, our best indication is he never made it into the theater here on that particular occasion, although most likely in other occasions he had been to the theater. But he tried to push in. His friends withstood him. And uh, that's what friends are for sometimes, is to keep us from doing what we feel like we, uh, we, we you know, have to do or should do, uh, but instead, uh, um, you know, uh, things that would no doubt hurt us. And I do believe the Apostle Paul would have caused great damage to himself and danger to himself had he just pressed himself on in and felt like he had to defend himself. Uh, it's more important sometimes for other people to defend you than for you to defend yourself. And uh, that's a part of our responsibility as well is defend those uh, who have need. The Bible says that we should defend the cause of the poor and the needy. Some people cannot defend themselves and should not defend themselves. We should always be ready to defend those who injustice is occurring to. Well, his defense wasn't very... Um, um, successful, as it were, uh, because uh, people didn't want to listen. And so uh, notice what the administrator of the city, okay? There was a city administrator who heard all the commotion, saw everything going on, and this city administrator came into the mix and he quieted the people. And then he began to tell them, listen, he said, uh, uh, you people need to be quiet, you don't have a permit for this public assembly. It's getting out of hand, and uh, uh, you are in danger today of being called in question by the Roman government as to why there's being such an uproar, why there's riots going on. If this man, Paul, has done something wrong, he said, well, uh, you know, you have uh, legal measures here, and that is the reality. You have proconsuls. You have legal measures. Uh, you could uh, find yourself, uh, uh, you know, in court with him. Uh, go that direction. But uh, Demetrius told him, listen, uh, 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 you know, this guy has destroyed our, our living. Uh, you know, what are we going to do about it? Well, the, the city manager told him, I, I love what the city manager said to him. He said, uh, uh, he said, for you have brought, verse 37, you have brought these men here who are neither robbers of temples nor blasphemers of your goddess. Now, listen to what's been said here. The Apostle Paul had lived for two and a half years in a city that was steeped in witchcraft and demonic activity and pagan worship. He knew where the temples were. He knew pagan worship was going on, but not one time in that two and a half years could the Apostle Paul have been rightly accused of saying anything negative about Diana. 
about Artemis, about uh, Diocletian, <laughs> or whoever else, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, whomever else. Uh, he, he could not uh, have been, well, Diocletian, that's, that's, that's not a part of that, but uh, he could not have been um, accused of saying anything bad about Nero. Okay? Here, the Apostle Paul, in the midst of all of this ungodliness, found the ability to stay focused on what he was called to do. And we as Christians should keep our focus on what we are called to do. We are called to let our light shine. We are not called to put out others' darknesses. Anybody can curse the darkness, but only a few people take the time to light a lamp. There is no benefit in cursing the darkness. There is every benefit in lighting a lamp. How would you feel if you were born in a dark room and your parents were living in that dark room, how would you feel if you were in this huge dark room, no matter how big it was, you, um, let's, let's just say it was a thousand miles by a thousand miles, and it was a thousand miles high, a huge dark room. And let's say that you were born in that dark room, your parents were born in that dark room, and, and, and uh, you walked around in that dark room all of your life, and you married someone in that dark room, and uh, you, you could not see them well, and you could not know them well, and your children Children were born in that dark room and let's say that all you ever knew was darkness and let's say that all of your life you had seen people stumble over things and trip and fall and hurt themselves and even kill themselves by falling into holes and falling into ditches imagine yourself born in a dark place and raised in a dark place and uh, living and dying in a dark place N seeing your family seeing your friends seeing your loved ones and even watching your enemies and hearing them, hearing the cries of people falling into holes and tripping and hurting and, and ultimately dying in darkness. Let's say that you, you were that person. Can you imagine just a moment being born into darkness? All your family ever knew was darkness? For generations, all they knew was darkness. And all you hoped for your children was darkness. Can you imagine that? Imagine being born into that dark room. And then imagine, just imagine with me, that once, one time, you found out that one of your friends or one of your family members, all the time, they had a light and they never turned it on. Can you imagine how upset you would be with someone who had a light? Can you imagine? Because I can imagine being born in darkness and living in darkness and raising my children in darkness. I can imagine I would learn to curse the darkness. I could imagine that I would learn to be, be angry. I can imagine I would learn uh, to, to, to hate. I can imagine that, that I would learn to, to be very unhappy with darkness and things that I tripped over, things that my father tripped over, things that my son tripped over, me tripping over it and, and failing and falling and hurting. And can you imagine how chaotic darkness would be? Well, that is our world. Can you imagine how mad you would be at someone if you lived and, and your family died and was hurt in darkness only to find out that they had a light and not one of them ever turned it on so you could see? They would just stand beside you and curse the darkness for, with you all the time? That all they would do was complain with you all the time and then find out that they had a light? What would you do to that person if you found out they had a light? Huh? Come on, how would you feel about somebody if, if they had a light and you were born and lived in darkness and all your family did? How would you feel about somebody that had kept that light to themselves? Angry? Angry? Well, how about if they were friend and, 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 and they were willing to curse the darkness with you? How about if they were your buddy and they would curse the darkness right along with you? 
Huh? They had a light in their pocket, but they wouldn't turn it on for you. Oh, they would get into their house at nighttime, and by themselves, they would sit in a corner and turn the light on when nobody else could see it. And they would benefit from the light, but, but never share the light with you. Because they imagine, no, 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 you hate darkness, and, uh, or, or maybe they think you love darkness. Or maybe they think darkness is all you've ever known. Maybe they think that they would you know, perhaps get mobbed because they're the one with the light and everybody would you know, uh, hurt them and try to steal the light. Can you imagine? Well, let me tell you the very truth. Every person is born into darkness. Every person lives in darkness. They raise their family in darkness. And darkness of this world has permeated this world. It's, it is right now trying to overcome this world. And guess what? You have a light. It's called the glorious light of the gospel of Christ Jesus. That's what we have. We, Jesus said, we are the light of the world. And if we do not shine, then what are we doing to all of the people, not just our enemies, but our friends and our family, if we don't let our light shine? Here's what Jesus said, no man lights a candle and hides it but rather sets it up so everyone can see it, so people can see how to walk by the light. If we don't present a light to people and show them how to walk, they will stumble in darkness and fall, many of them dying in darkness. The Apostle Paul understood this. So the Apostle Paul never wasted his time. Listen to me as I get passionate. This is my soapbox. Stop wasting your time cursing the darkness. The Apostle Paul never blasphemed any other God. He never spoke evil of Nero. He was, he was incarcerated. The Apostle Paul was in prison in the years that Nero killed one of his wives by kicking her in the stomach while she was pregnant. And then he found a man that looked like his wife that he had killed. The Apostle Paul knew this all along. He was living right there in Rome and, and Nero castrated that man and married him because he looked like you know, the woman he had killed. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Nero was putting, putting uh, Christians on, 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 on poles and lighting them on fire while the Apostle Paul was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. These things were not done in secret. These things were not hidden. These things in worship in this city was not hidden, but yet this is exactly what the, the city administrator of Ephesus said about Paul and his companions. Not one time have they robbed your temples. They've never taken something that belonged to you. And not one time have they blasphemed your gods. What a testimony. You know, that one scripture right there has shined more light on my responsibility than any other scripture uh, uh, in, in, in this Ephesus setting. He was under great persecution, but he refused to focus on the negatives and the complaints and the darkness and the hatred. He refused to set fire. He refused to, to all Paul did his whole life once he got born again. You know, once he was a persecutor of the church, but once he got born again, he persecuted no one. He shined a light and said that God is love. He cares about you. He has a plan for your life. He will help you no matter who you are, without respect to who you are. And if you chose to follow Jesus Christ, great. If you chose not, hey, that, that's your choice. But, if, but whether you did or didn't, he didn't hate you. He didn't hurt you. He didn't persecute you. He didn't defame you. He didn't try to, you know, he didn't go outside and start talking bad about you. He tried his best just to shine a light. Because if you continue shining a light, people will see that light. Ultimately, they'll see what you're made of.
It might take them, you know, a little while. It might take them 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Here's what the Apostle Paul said. He said, I became all things to all people, if by any means I might win some to Christ. He said, to the Jews, I became as a Jew, and to those under the law as one under the law. Those without the law, I was without the law, although I was not without the law to myself. Nonetheless, I did not blaspheme. I did not curse people. I did not defame people. I tried to find some common ground so that they could see my light shine. And over the course of my life, my light has shined. I have run my race. I've kept the face. I've finished my race. I've kept the faith. And uh, for this reason, there's a crown for me. Um, well, we say all that to say this today. In this particular place, and right after that, by the way, the Apostle Paul had to be escorted out of here, and he left here and never came back here again, okay? You can read about that in, in, in the first part of, of, of chapter 20. But this is our responsibility. And let me just go so far, okay? Since I am a pastor, uh, since I am classically a, uh, um, uh, a called man of God, then let me speak to all of you who are Christians, and let me just say to you in the name of Jesus, I adjure you, I command you, I beseech you with all authority of the scriptures, stop focusing on the negative and the bad and the people that you don't like. Stop cursing their gods. Stop right now defaming people. Stop uh, you know, robbing from others. You let your light shine. Keep focused. Stay focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Only one thing saves. You know, this was my message back when everybody was, all the churches were trying to defeat communism. You know, if you defeated communism and there was never another communist, if you defeated abortion, there was never another abortion. Now, I'm not for communism and I'm not for abortion. I am not for, uh, you know, uh, all these things. I'm not, you know, I'm, I am not for same-sex marriage, okay? Uh, uh, I personally am against it, but it is not uh, the flag that I wave. It's not the banner that I carry. I am. I am. Uh, I don't think uh, a gay and lesbian, transsexual, or, or bisexual, or transgender is a right life choice. But I love the people, every last one of them. It's not my job to judge them. It is my job to shine a light and love them. And I do hope that they will come to Jesus Christ and to a saving knowledge and to a to a disciplined lifestyle according to the scriptures. You know, some people deal with, with uh, uh, homosexual uh, temptations. You know, uh, other people deal with heterosexual temptations. Let me tell you, those temptations are just the same. Okay? So don't judge. Shine a light. Okay? Stay focused. I just command you in the name of Jesus. Stay focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Stay focused on the things that will save, the things that will fix it. And that's the love of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let your light shine. Okay? <laughs> wow. Right here from Ephesus. Thanks so much for joining us again on this podcast. And uh, I'll see you right back here on the next one. All right? Let your light shine. Stop cursing the darkness. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Let your light shine. It's the light of Jesus Christ. It saves. God bless you.